0: Good morning. This is Alan Carroll at Carroll Pharmacy in Smithfield, and we are proud to bring you Hope for Today, a program we hope might help you, inspire you, or encourage you and give you hope for today. My hope is built on nothing
1: less than Jesus' blood and
0: This is Terry Carroll, and I have a message for everyone from Jesus Christ when he was speaking to his disciples at the Last Supper. These words are from the New Testament book of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Like so many in our country who have witnessed the tragic murder of George Floyd, I thought back to a message Chandler Lassiter had shared a few years ago about loving our neighbors. In a very few minutes, you will hear his message. He was an 18-year-old college student when he recorded this very timely message that we all would do well to take to heart. I asked my husband, Kay, to introduce Chandler's talk with some thoughts of his own, and he immediately went to the verses that I just read from the book of John. What follows now is what Kay has to say. Jesus is giving us a directive to follow if we are to be his disciples. It is an action commandment to love. In today's world, I wonder if we would be known as His disciples. Would we be known as His disciples by our Facebook posts? By the way we treat those who don't look like us? By those who aren't from around here? Would we be known as His disciples by those we have selectively decided are worthy of our help? Be it financial, or our time, or our prayers? And not just on Sundays, but every day. Admittedly, we will never be perfect as Jesus was. But in our prayers, can we really say to Jesus, Lord, today let your Holy Spirit guide my thoughts and words and deeds. John was known as the Apostle of Love. Take the time to read the Gospel of John. Pray about what you find in John's writings. He was there with Jesus Christ during the three years of Christ's earthly ministry, and he wants us all to know about it so that we may believe. In John twenty, thirty, and 31 we read, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And now I want to share with you from Joanna Weaver's devotional book, At the Feet of Jesus, her devotions from June 9th and 10th. The verse that she cites for June 9th is the second half of Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. What an amazing privilege it is to be the very hands of God in someone else's life. I wonder how many opportunities I've missed to love as Jesus loved. How many wounded strangers I've passed by because I was too busy to stop. How many piles of burial garments I've avoided, not knowing that a resurrected sister or brother lay inside struggling to get out. Or how many butterfly metamorphoses I've interrupted because my human compassion assumed that I knew the person's needs better than God did. I want to participate in the miraculous. I want to be a little bit of God's kingdom come to earth, Christ's hand extended, reaching out in love. But that means I have to slow down and listen. I must tune my heart to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, so that when He beckons, loose Him, let Him go, I step forward rather than pull back, so that when He prompts, wait and pray. I'm willing to intercede rather than interfere. So that whatever I do, I do it with his wisdom and love. Who's my neighbor? The expert asked Jesus. As Warren Wiersbe puts it, the answer has less to do with geography and more to do with opportunity. Because the best way to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength is to love the person who happens to be standing next to me. Unfortunately, as the world well knows, it's easy for Christians to forget what we're here for. It's easy to fall into the hypocrisy of talking one way and living another way, or to get so involved with our religious activities that we simply neglect to reach out to those around us. Mahatma Gandhi once said, If Christians lived according to their faith, there would be no more Hindus left in India. This great leader was fascinated at the thought of knowing Christ. But when he met Christians, he felt let down. The world is filled with people who feel the same. They are intrigued by the claims of Christ. But they shrink back because of disappointment with his offspring. Don't look at people, we might protest. Look at Jesus. But whether we like it or not, we are the only Jesus some will ever see. Dwight L. Moody put it this way. Of 100 men, one will read the Bible. The 99 will read the Christian. The Apostle Paul understood the responsibility of representing Christ to others. More than nine times in the New Testament, Paul writes something to the effect of, Follow me as I follow Christ. There were no Gideon Bibles in the New Testament church. There were no Bibles at all except for the Hebrew Scriptures. The only evidence of this new and living way came in the form of the walking, breathing, living epistles that filled the young church's meeting rooms and spilled out into the street. You are a letter from Christ, Paul reminded the Christians at Corinth. You are a letter that is known and read by everyone. I wonder, what message will they read in you and me? And now I hope you will stay tuned and listened to Chandler Lassiter as he expounds upon Jesus' command that we love one another.
1: Thank you for allowing me to come in today and share this, this message that God has laid on my heart. One day when I was a freshman in high school, I saw a kid from my class walking home from school. His name was Kyle. It looked like he was carrying all of his books. I thought to myself, why would anyone bring home all of their books on a Friday? He must really be a nerd. As I was walking, I saw a bunch of kids running towards him. They ran at him, knocking all of his books out of his arms and tripping him so that he landed in the dirt. His glasses went flying, and I saw them land in the grass about ten feet from him. He looked up, and I saw this terrible sadness in his eyes. My heart went out to him. I jogged over to him, and as he crawled around looking for his glasses, I saw a tear in his eye. As I handed him his glasses, I said, those guys are real jerks. They should get some lives. He looked at me and said, hey, thanks. There was a big smile on his face, one of those smiles that showed real gratitude and sincerity. I helped him pick up his books, and we talked for a minute, and we found out we actually lived right next to each other. So we walked home together, and we talked all the way home, and he turned out to be a really cool kid. I asked him if he wanted to play football with me and my friends on Saturday and hang out with us, and he said yes, and we ended up hanging out all weekend. And the more I got to know Kyle, the more I really liked him, as did my friends. We became the best of friends and stayed that way all throughout high school. Then our senior year came, and it was time for us to go to college and go our separate ways. Me and him had become such good friends that I knew all the miles that would separate us would not be an issue and that we would still be able to keep in touch and be the best of friends. Kyle was the valedictorian of our class. He had to prepare a speech for graduation. As he started his speech, he cleared his throat and began, Graduation is a time to thank those who helped you make it through those tough years. Your parents, your teachers, your siblings, maybe a coach, but mostly your friends. I'm here to tell all of you that being a friend to someone is the best gift you can give to them. I looked at my friend with disbelief as he began to tell the story of the first day we met. He revealed that he had planned to kill himself over that weekend. He talked of how he had cleaned out his locker so his mom wouldn't have to do it later and was carrying all of his stuff home for the last time. He looked hard at me and gave me a little smile and said, Thankfully, I was saved. My friend saved me from doing the unspeakable. I saw his mom and dad looking at me and smiling that same grateful smile. Not until that moment did I realize its depth. Never underestimate the power of your actions and never hesitate to love someone. You never know what they're going through and what kind of impact you can have on them. That was a story that circulated the internet a few years ago. One full of love, commitment, and someone who just jumped right into action when he saw someone in need. This is an incredible story of loving your neighbor and the impact that just simply loving someone can have on them. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these being love. This is what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13. He tells us all about what love is, and that love is, in fact, the greatest emotion and the most critical to have and deploy in our daily lives. He tells us in verse 2 that if we have a faith that can move mountains, but we don't have love, then we are nothing. He tells us in verse 3, if we give all we have to the poor, but don't have love, then once again we are nothing. He tells us during this chapter, commonly known as the love chapter, that love is necessary to life and necessary to our walks with Christ. In today's world, love is lacking big time. When you step back and think about all that has taken place in the world today, you really realize just how little love there is in the world. It's a heartbreaking yet truthful conclusion to come to. This world needs love. There's racism everywhere you look, discrimination because of religion, socioeconomic status, how people look, sound, smell, etc. People dying prematurely in many different circumstances way too frequently. Countries can't talk peacefully, and political parties just do nothing but argue, and it just divides our country and our world nonstop. And see, I've noticed a little trend. Republicans will say they're Christians or they're a Republican because they're a Christian, but Democrats will say they're a Democrat because they're a Christian. And it's just this nonstop cycle and this constant arguing and hate, and this world needs love. The Bible says that they'll know we are Christians by our love, not our money, not how many friends we have, not the job we have, but by our love. Yet I look around, and it seems like there isn't very much love going around, which means there isn't a lot of God going around. In all honesty, sometimes it's hard to even tell who is and isn't a Christian at this point. I know that God has to be looking down disappointed at what this world is becoming and what we as Christians are allowing this world to turn into. But yet, He still loves us so much that He won't betray us or disown us, even though you know He's got to be disappointed. This world needs love. There's no peace in the world anymore. There's nothing but hate, discrimination, and just pure evil going around in the world. This world needs love. Yes, this world needs love, and if we as Christians don't spread it around, then who will? We've got an opportunity to really change this world, really make an enormous impact in the world, simply by loving others. That is all we have to do, love others, and we can change the world. See, that that is incredible to me. We don't have to cure cancer. We don't have to donate a million dollars. We don't have to live a perfect life. God doesn't expect that. He expects us to simply love Simply by doing that, we can secure a place in heaven and we can have a huge impact on this world. In order to love others, we must first have a source of love. Where where do we get this love to spread around from? 1 John 4, 7-12 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. So there's our answer to that question. This love that we're supposed to spread around comes from our God that loves us so much that he won't disappoint, disown us, even though he's disappointed in us. This love comes from our Savior who carried his own cross to be crucified upon for us to save us. He did this because he loves us so much. See, I look at it as Jesus has so much love for each and every one of us that if we just took the love he has for us simply and just as pinky and applied that to our lives and to our neighbors, then this world would instantly be a better place. So we have this enormous source of love, God, like the ocean is for water. That's how I look at it. And, And just like rivers spread this water from the ocean throughout the whole earth, it's our job to go and do likewise with God's love. Jesus tells us multiple times that the most, two most important commands are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, strength, mind, and soul. And he says the second most important is this, love your neighbor as yourself. We're really going to take the second command and really focus and, and dissect that one right now. We're instructed to love our neighbors, love everyone, love our friends, our families, our enemies, strangers, everyone. Oftentimes it's far easier said than done. This world needs love. This love that comes from the man above. It's our job to spread it around and distribute it like a river flowing from the ocean. Let's dive into how to love our neighbors. In the story of the Good Samaritan, we see exactly what loving your neighbor looks like. And we have three takeaways from that story as to what what it takes to love your neighbor. It takes commitment, it takes jumping into action, and it takes faith. Just like with anything else in life, we can't be good at loving others without being committed to it and being committed to bettering ourselves at it. We can't be good at loving others without consistently practicing it. To consistently love thy neighbor, we must have a commitment to our God and to strengthening our relationship with our God and loving Him and spreading the love that He has for us and spreading His glory throughout this whole world. We must be committed to not only Him and His Word, but to spreading His love. Dedicating our lives to loving others is the first step towards loving others. When we commit, everything else falls into place. In both the story of Kyle and the story of the Good Samaritan, we see commitment. In the story of Kyle, the guy who came walking by and saw him get bullied and jumped out to help. We'll call him Joe. Joe was committed to consistently loving others. He didn't just help Kyle pick up his books and leave them. He walked him home, made him feel comfortable, talked to him, he stayed friends with him all throughout high school, and he consistently loved him. Joe was a great example of being committed to loving your neighbor because also if he wasn't committed, he wouldn't have stopped and helped him. He would have just kept walking and just let the kid deal with that on his own, and if he had done that, then Kyle wouldn't have been there anymore. The Good Samaritan also demonstrated commitment. He didn't just bandage him up and leave him. He took him to the inn, paid for him a room to stay in, came back the next few days to keep checking on him and taking care of him. He was committed to loving that man who was beaten and left on the side of the road. He was committed to loving someone he didn't know. In both of those stories, if they weren't committed to loving others, then they wouldn't have stopped to help out. And both of those stories would have been ended very badly had they not stopped to help out. Psalm 37 5 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will act. See, when we commit to the Lord and to loving others through God and using the love that God has for us, then amazing things happen from that. David tells us in this verse that when we do commit to anything through God, He will help us and He will protect us. This goes for loving others as well. When we commit to loving others through our Lord, then He will take over the rest. Loving others isn't a one-time thing. It's a full-time commitment we must decide that we are going to make. The Samaritan and Joe didn't just commit to being loving one day a week. They were committed to it 24-7. And this is that same commitment that we must have to spread the love of God to everyone around us. When we really commit to loving others, incredible things begin to come from it. Now, faith. Spreading God's love and making God's presence felt in this cruel world isn't easy. But Jesus tells us with faith the size of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. This is a pretty big mountain to move, this mountain of trying to spread God's love in this world. But with faith, Jesus tells us anything is possible, and that includes this task. And along with that, in order to love others, we must love God even more and believe in his powers. Because in order to have an impact in this world and spread his love that this world so desperately needs right now, in order to do that, we must first believe, number one, that we can. We must have faith that we can have an impact and we can love everyone. And number two, we must have the faith that God is going to allow us to make an impact and that he's going to use us and he's going to act through us. When we have this faith, this faith that can move mountains, when we have the faith that God is going to intervene in this world and use us to make a difference, then terrific things begin to come from that. When we understand that God needs us and God intends to use us through him, then we can really make a difference. It seems impossible to truly love everyone that we come in contact with. Some people, maybe it just seems like they're unlovable or they don't deserve love or we just simply don't know them well enough to love them, but Jesus loved everyone. Jesus loved his prosecutors, sorry, persecutors. He loved all the ones who were evil to him. He loved the ones who dedicated their lives to hating him. He loved everyone. In order to love as he loved, which is what we're told to do, in order to love, in order to do that, we must have faith in him. We must have that faith that can move mountains. We must decide that we're going to dedicate our lives to him first, and then we can feel that abundance of overflowing love that God pours onto us. And we can take this abundance of plentiful extra love flowing from him and we can start to spread to our enemies, our friends, everyone. We can't love unless we have faith in him and faith in our abilities first. Along with faith, we must love as God loves unconditionally, which once again we can't do without relentless faith in him and relentless belief in the love that he has for us. Our Savior loves us so much that he got up on the cross so that we could be saved and we could live in heaven with with our God. He loved us unconditionally and still does. He loves us now, he loved us in the past, and he always will love us. And he loves us unconditionally, regardless of what we do, regardless of how broken we are sometimes. He continues to love us and pour out his overflowing love onto us. What a Savior that is. That's, that is awesome. But without a faith in Him and the love that He has, then we can't love unconditionally as He did love us. But we must love unconditionally because we will be frustrated with people. We will have days where we don't feel like loving others. We don't feel like being committed. We will decide that some people just don't deserve love, but we can't do that. We must love them regardless. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're on this earth for a reason, just like we are. And they deserve to be loved relentlessly, just as God has loved us relentlessly. To close out the faith section and combining it with um, part of the commitment section, I'm going to take something that Mr. Lee Colbert said in one of his sermons a while back. Quote, if I do what I can, God will do what I can't. When we realize that just by putting effort and believing that God will help us out, when we do that, then God will take care of the rest of the parts we can't handle. When we focus on loving our neighbors and believing that God's going to use us, then God will take care of the rest. He's proved that time and time again, and he will continue to always prove that. The last verse of the passage of the Good Samaritan Is simply Jesus saying, go and do likewise. He doesn't say, go and think about this, or go and ponder this, or go and hope that maybe you can do this. No. He said, go and do likewise. Once we've committed to loving others and began to believe that we can make a difference in this world, and we've humbled ourselves, then we can begin to put this love into action. See, loving others is something anyone can say they want to do, or hope to do, or plan to do. But it's not something that everyone can do. Anyone can talk the talk of loving others, but the challenge is trying to walk the walk. Knowing what love is and knowing how to love others isn't enough. We have to take what we know and put it into action. And that's exactly what Jesus instructs us to do in the parable of the Good Samaritan. To go and do likewise. And see, the incredible thing about jumping into action and loving others is there's not one set in stone way that you have to love others. There's not one specific way that you have to use to love your neighbor. The ways of loving others are infinite. It really depends on the situation, and a big part of putting love into action is actually knowing what that person may need at that time. The Samaritan jumped right into action. He didn't hesitate. He didn't stop and think. He acted immediately. He saw someone in need and didn't stop to see what color he was, how much money he had, his religious beliefs, his political beliefs, or anything like that. He simply saw someone in need and helped them out and showed them love. And see, that's what we must do. When we see an opportunity to spread God's love, we have to simply act, not hesitate, not think about what we will get out of it, or if they deserve to be loved, or if we agree with what they they believe, or anything like that. We simply have to love. This world desperately needs love, which comes from our risen Savior. It's our duty as Christians to take initiative and go out and spread this, this love. It's our job to go out and not sit back and wait for others to do it, because if everybody does that, then no one's going to love their neighbor, and no one's going to spread God's love. We have to take this initiative and spread the love of God. I believe one thing that, that makes it so hard to love others sometimes is our pride. I know that that's tough on me sometimes. I'm sure other people struggle with that too. I believe that we're so prideful in ourselves that we don't take the time to focus on others. We don't care what they have going on or what they may need. We're too focused on ourselves and what we need. That's not the attitude we need. We must humble ourselves and realize that we're not above anyone, and we're definitely not above God who tells us to love our neighbors. Once we humble ourselves, then we can begin to constantly strive to love our neighbors. When we stop letting our pride get in the way and we we humble ourselves, then loving our neighbors will come so much easier. The world has become cruel, unloving, and unjust, and it's our job to restore that peace that God wants for this earth. Because once again, if we don't, then who will? Jesus tells us that they will know we are disciples of his by our love. And at the end of the day, that's what God will look at when we try to enter the glorious gates of heaven. He's going to look at how we've loved during our time on this earth, how we've loved him and how we've loved our neighbors. So when this judgment day comes, we can be praised for how we loved others on our, for our, during our time on this earth. Or we can be neglected and shamed for the lack of love that we did spread on, on this earth. This world needs love. This world is cruel and is lacking love and lacking affirmative and affectionate Christians. To restore hope and peace in this world, that will only happen through one person, God. He will provide the love and it's our job to spread his love like a river does for the ocean. When we do this and start loving our neighbors, then peace and love really spreads throughout this world. Jesus tells us in John 16, 33 to take heart. Because he has overcome the world. I don't believe that he ever lost control of the world. But I believe this verse is relevant right now. Because I believe he sees what's going on in the world. And he's really about to take back over this world. He's about to proclaim his place again on this earth. And I believe I really believe that this take heart. I have overcome the world. Is about to take on a whole new meaning. I believe he's about to take over again. And spread his love throughout the world. And to do that he's going to use us as Christians. I believe he's got Gigantic plans for us to be a part of this takeover of the world. And there's one simple way we can go on and start this takeover right now love our neighbors. Jesus says, Love thy neighbor, not just your nice neighbor or your rich neighbor or your Christian neighbor, but to love thy homeless neighbor, love thy Muslim neighbor, love thy Jewish neighbor, love thy black neighbor, love thy mean neighbor, love thy gay neighbor, love thy liberal neighbor love thy conservative neighbor, love thy white neighbor, love thy atheist neighbor, love thy enemy neighbors, love thy racist neighbors, love thy drug addict neighbor, love thy neighbor, love everyone. Jesus has this one simple command for us, love your neighbor as yourself. When we commit to loving others and then we have this faith that can change the world, that we can change the world through God and, and the love that God has for us and we love others just as God does love us, when we have that faith and then when we take action and put this action into, uh, into the world and begin to love our neighbors, then this world will have a change of heart. Love and peace will begin to pour out all over this planet and it begins with us. This world needs love. Jesus loved everyone. He loved his enemies, his persecutors, everyone. He loved his neighbors, and now he tells us it's our turn to go and do likewise. Will you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for this day and just this, this beautiful earth you've put put us on, Lord, and you've put us here for a reason, and that's to love our neighbors and love everyone, just as you did while you were here and just as you do for us. Lord, please please place the, the love in our hearts to go out and and. Just bring peace back into this world and, and love everyone as you loved us, Lord. Thank you so much for all you do for us and just for your amazing glory. And just please just bless everyone, Lord. We love you so much. Amen.
0: For the last few minutes, you have been listening to Chandler Lassiter share a message on love, a message we all need to take to heart and share with everyone. And now I leave you with this verse from Romans fifteen thirteen: May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening.